Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the Biz Bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am so excited to speak to someone that I admire greatly, that I adore, who's been um, a yoga facilitator and guide at my retreat last year and will be doing so this March. Please, everyone, welcome Iris L. Mendez. Iris! (laughs) Thank you. Such an honor. Such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me here, for exchanging energy, and for all you do, Mama Bruja. I love you. (laughs) Brujita. I love you, mi amor. Um, I just want to share. I'm not going to share the bio, the official bio here, but I want everyone to know a little more that you are a licensed social worker. You are a... um, Reiki level two, uh, Usui Reiki practitioner, you're a healing coach and author, a podcast host, a founder and owner of ILM Healing Solutions, and also a speaker, a teacher, and a guide. I mean, there's nothing you can't do and you're doing it all. So I just was so excited to bring you on board. And to begin, Iris, I really want to know, like, what set you on this healing journey? Oh, first, thank you for that uh, that bio. Yeah, I, I funny thing, I was named a uh, class tradeswoman, so uh, in high school. So all those titles definitely fit that bill. Um, as far as healing for me, uh, I like to say I grew up from humbling beginnings, born and raised in Camden, New Jersey, and a lot of the modalities that I use today with myself, with my own lifestyle, with my clients, the Reiki, the mindfulness, the yoga, the go into psychotherapy and things like that were not things that um, we were privileged enough to be encouraged to utilize or to incorporate and so for me it all really started which I do talk about in my book a little bit it all started with um, me wanting to feel physically better about my body and it didn't hit me until maybe I would say post-grad, I'm post-undergrad, you know, they say the freshman 15, I had like freshman 25, 35 plus, and I wasn't comfortable in my skin. I wasn't comfortable in my body. I knew that my mental health uh, was uh, just, I was just chaos. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't loving myself. I uh, wasn't eating the proper foods and I was anxious all the time. Like it just, it just kind of was one of those things where I knew and this was maybe with my mid twenties. I knew that if I didn't make any changes then that it would worsen for me. And I think the biggest thing for me was the physical aspect was not feeling comfortable in my skin. And so that led me to work out, you know, heal my body, 
put proper food in my body, proper nutrition. And then from there, that led to the mental health piece, getting the mental health support, admitting that I needed it, um, seeing a therapist, multiple therapists. And then from there, it, you know, transitioned into the mindset, changing the mindset, which I think I had to do from the beginning for the physical piece. But um, and then I met you and the spiritual part of it, the healing, the four bodies, all the, the puzzle pieces all came together. And so uh, it's it's been a journey. And I, and I would say I'm still on the, the healing journey. So absolutely. Yo también, like we all are like if anyone ever says to me, I'm completely healed or I know everything. I don't know. I'm like run the other way because we're always in motion. We're always learning. There's always more to uncover. Even as we expand, right? We hit that glass ceiling or that invisible um, block or challenge that we then uncover and heal. So yeah, I love that you are so open about that. How did you decide to become a licensed social worker? Did you always, uh, were you like a little kid, like I want to help people or how did it come up? <laughs> Um, so believe it or not, growing up, I used to want to be an actress and a choreographer or an attorney. So the idea of being a therapist or a social worker was not one that was at the forefront of my mind or even so, there was no model of that either for me to be like, hey, I want to be that. Um, it just kind of happened. I really feel like universe pushed me. Um, I know that I always wanted to help people because of where I was from. Um, unfortunately, I saw a lot of people who didn't make it. And when I say make it, I don't just mean like, oh, you make it out the hood. I mean, like, you know, unfortunately, people pass away from the the streets kind of taking them in a sense or um, them not taking, taking care of their bodies and, you know, people taking their own lives and things like that. And so for me, like, I didn't want... I didn't want to not be able to support people. So I wanted to gain as much knowledge. Um, I've always been very eager to learn about the brain, the body and the behavior. So when I went to grad to undergrad, I was originally a, a law and justice major. And then I took some psych classes. So then that's kind of how that transpired. Once I finished I ended up transferring my my major to psychology. And then from there, it was like, okay, well, what's next? And um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't want to take the GRE. <laughs> so I got my master's in social work. I honestly was operating from a checkbox at that time where it was like, oh, first one to graduate and get a four-year degree. Boom, what's next? Oh, I can do the next one. Let me check that off. Um, and so I was kind of just going through the motions um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do besides help people. And eventually, once I got my my degree, these opportunities to become a psychotherapist fell on my lap. Those were not things that I pursued. And I became really great at it. And I became the thought leader and an expert in certain topics of mental health. So working with different um you know hospital settings emergency room studies psychiatric emergencies outpatient um mental health facilities it kind of just became one of those things where um i'm really great at it. i'm really great at it even though sometimes i may not want to do it i'm just good at good at it so that's kind of how that happened mm -hmm. uh, i obviously got my license because um certain states you you need it to practice certain in certain ways um, I don't, I didn't get the clinical license, but I still have the clinical background and the hours for it. So 
I love that. I love that it really, you were going with the flow and it happened um, and that you're exactly where you need to be. So, you know, I was in therapy like 20 years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, again, I brought on a therapist after my brother passed and it was the third family member that passed. Um, what I've been noticing, because so I say that to say that I am comfortable with therapy. I have no issue reaching out and getting support. Uh, but one of the things that I've observed is like Latinos, we have a like, you know, um, like my family, like, yo no soy loca, yo no necesito, I'm fine, I'm strong, I got it. Uh, what has been like, what do you think is the top block for Latinos who are listening, BIPOC who are listening when it comes to reaching out for help for, for therapy, therapeutic support? I think. I think that we, as a culture, are taught to be strong and strength has a, a bias um, because if you identify that you're in need of emotional support or you're struggling emotionally, whether you're sad, angry, anxious, these are all normal feelings. We label them as a bad. And I think in our culture, that's seen as weakness when you just shove it. Um, and so the, that strength that, oh, you know, we, um, we're told, you know, you, in our cultures, in our households, you don't talk about what's going on in the house to nobody. You, you know, you, you suck it up. And as women, especially women who are matriarchs in our culture, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where our, emotional body and our mental body or taking care of our mental health hygiene is seen as that weakness you have to put on that like you know fuerte mentality and if you if you don't then whether you know your cousin's gonna say something to you your grandma's gonna say i that's you, i just don't know now nah, you're fine you know we grew up listening to that type of things. And so now as we evolve, we have to try to change those narratives that were created in us in our childhood that told us, you push forward, you suck it up, you put your big girl's panties on and you just keep going. Yes. And it's almost like you're disregarding your emotional vessel, your your physical vessel, but the emotional piece that's inside, the spiritual piece that's inside, and the mental piece that are all impacted when things are are chaotic in our lives or not even in our lives in the world. You know, we're not taught about um, not absorbing energy. We're not taught about how to properly, you know, ground ourselves from a chaotic day or from being around lots of energies. And we're encouraged to go to lots of energy. We're encouraged to go to, you know, the, the party or go be with the paranda and like all these things, but we don't we don't come back to self. And I think that's the biggest thing is that it's seen as a weakness. Um, in the line of work that I do currently, I um outside of being a healing coach, I'm also an EAP counselor and employee assistance program counselor, and I answer phones globally. So I see this in a lot of other cultures and a lot of other countries as well, where there is that huge mental health stigma. And I think the biggest fear of it all is that um, that isolation from your peers or uh, your family and friends 
and or if it's not isolation from them, the fear of that is the judgment piece. People are afraid of being judged as, like you said, la loca. So these are all things that I I notice and I see and I hear all across the globe. And um, in our culture, it's definitely prevalent. Thank you for that. Yeah, I grew up with, we don't have time for depression. No tenemos tiempo para estar cansados. We don't have time to be tired. No tenemos tiempo para la depresión. No tenemos tiempo para estar triste. My parents worked a lot. Um, as immigrants coming into the country, not speaking the language, right? And eventually building their own business. It was just like that. And I have found myself in the past, not recently, thankfully, you know, people asking me, how are you doing with them? I'm like, I don't have time to be depressed, you know, you don't tengo tiempo para eso, right? And then I was like, but then it will hit you later, right? So I realized that, that I was like, oh, when I'm shoring it up, when I'm stuffing it, like you said, that suddenly later out of nowhere, you're like upset and sad. And you're like, well, what's happening is because you did not process, you did not allow yourself to feel uh, what would you suggest to anybody who's listening and going through anxiety or feeling anxious about the future or stress or not being able to sleep or suddenly lethargic or things that are, you know, going on with them right now? Um, I mean, I guess I could say, what are some signs that you should be calling a therapist and what would you mm -hmm. say to them? Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who is dealing with emotions that, and I don't want to label any feelings bad or good, just emotions in general that you're having difficulty dealing with, like it's uncomfortable. Um, one, I want you to normalize that for yourself because number one, you're not alone. <laughs> There's a lot of people all over the entire world who are feeling this exact way. So don't feel isolated or don't feel less than um, because you're feeling this way. Um, the signs that I would say that you need to start seeing a therapist are obviously if it's disrupting your sleep. Um, if you are noticing that you are not uh, engaging in things that you normally would be interested in, um, when you're, if you're having crying spells to the point where, um, you know, like you're dry heaving or the crying spells are too frequent, that it's impacting or debilitating your ability to work. Uh, or the emotions are to that point where, you know, you're not getting up out of bed. When you start to see that you're not taking care of your basic needs, you're not showering as much. You don't feel like getting up and brushing your teeth. You don't feel like eating. Believe it or not, this happens to people. A lot more people than you think. And I know that's, you know, when you think about how oh, people don't brush their teeth. There's a lot of people who struggle to get out of bed every day and brush their teeth, let alone get out of bed and make their bed, let alone take a shower and feed themselves. So when it gets to that point, like seek, seek support, seek support. One of my favorite um, uh, ways that I like to promote uh, seeking mental health for people is go, go to your insurance. But if you don't have insurance, there's a uh, link um, that I always tell people to go to is openpathpsychotherapycollective.org. They're sliding scale providers. Basically, those providers is a directory. Um, they're willing to work with your income and give you like a sliding scale rate, depending on like your insurance and your uh, financial hardship or your job situation, income situation. So, um, but honestly, I feel like if you're thinking about getting help, then just get the help. Like if it comes to the mind, if it comes to the forefront of your mind, like maybe I need to talk to somebody, you probably need to talk to somebody. That's not. And it doesn't hurt even if you just go for three sessions. I mean, I offer single session therapy with the other, um, my other gig that I have. I don't do that for my business, but 
for the other company that I work for, uh, I do offer that. And sometimes that also helps. So if you have an employee assistance program through your employer, call them. You get access to a free therapist like me that you can just call when you need some emotional support or they can guide you on how to find the proper resources that are best suited for your needs. Because sometimes calling a line and speaking to different people here and there every other week, that's not helpful either. So really getting the proper care is important. Mm, I love that, Iris. Thank you so much for sharing that, sharing those links. Um, I can share, you know, with our audience too, like, I wouldn't be who I am today if I had not worked with a really great therapist from like the age of 29 to like 32, uh, healing and releasing trauma through EMDR, EFT, like back in the day, she was doing that hypnosis, energy healing. She was doing that like decades ago already. And um, I wouldn't be who I am. I just sent her a message the other day and I thanked her because that was like very foundational and me being able to move forward after a lot of that trauma was like more integrated and processed. And mm-hmm. so, you know, cause we see people online, we see people on Instagram, we're like, oh my God, look at them, they're just rolling. They got this, they got that, they're traveling. They got, well, you don't know what they're really going through. Cause usually sometimes they share, not always. Um, and for me, I'm really happy to share and say that, that I would not be who I am today. And I wouldn't ha- have created the life that I've created if I wasn't working on myself and I hadn't established that. How do you include, um, Iris, how do you include, you've got the day job, you've got the business, right? And we're going to get to the book a little later. How do you, like, what do you, first let's go to, what do you do in your business and how do you manage both of them? <laughs> Yeah, so I have to keep very strict boundaries with managing what I do. Um, So for my business, I do that now part time. Um, So roughly two to three days a week. So I have to make sure that I give myself time to rest because I do work for another person for 40 hours. Um, That is I I have a little bit of luck there because my my schedule is flexible. Um, and that I, I don't work the normal hours that everybody else works. So that gives me the daytime to sleep or to organize stuff for my business. Um, I see my clients primarily on Mondays and Tuesdays. And that's what, where I offer the healing coaching. My healing coaching um, is very unique because inside of my healing coaching, I embed yoga. I embed Reiki energy healing. Uh, Usui Reiki, and I also embed um, oracle card readings or intuitive readings. If if I, you know, if the message comes through, sometimes there's some mediumship work in there that also comes through. Sometimes spirit message, there's a, a message from spirit for the person. So all of that is incorporated in my healing coaching, which is more, um, there's 60 minute sessions with my clients, and they're more like self inquiry sessions where I give them journal prompts and things for them to go back to as far as homework that is related to whatever goals they want to set for them within the four bodies, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So that's how I've been working. Um, I have to place very strict boundaries with my social life and um, uh, I keep a good planner. That's how I, that's how I navigate it all. Yes, yes. Yes. Honestly, I say no. I say no a lot. I say no when it's, it's, I I don't have the energy for it. I say no. And that's how I balance it. And even if it's for myself, like 
Saturday, uh, I took a mental health day and I decided, you know, I was going to go out, right? No, 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 no. I laid down. I laid down and I passed out for like five hours. By the time I woke up, it was too late to go out. So I was like, you know what? My body needs that. You know, I'm just, that's, and that's okay. So I give myself a lot of grace and I don't, I don't use the word lazy around here. Like I don't drop that word because first of all, I think that we're supposed to be growing crops and outside and naked and running around and just being free anyway. So we're supposed to be lazy. <laughs> I think so I'm okay with being lazy a little bit, as long as, you know, the check mix is done and I'm, I'm seeing progress and there's productivity and my clients are doing well. I see them doing well. And that's that, that's the stamp that I need. So. And also too, I mean, as we heal the word lazy and just say rest, right. Or play or whatever you want to call it you're setting the energetic pattern and the energetic model for anyone who comes across your energy because you're taking care of yourself. You know, yeah. I love that. So something is coming to, to my heart to me is that I wanted to know what are some of the gifts that you feel that you're leaning into in the work that you do in this world and in your life that are coming from your ancestors? What are some of those gifts that you're leaning into? It's funny you say that. I just saw an old um, Facebook status from a year ago when I was doing some family tree stuff. And I got my ancestry and all that. And um, what I learned was that my my grandma, she calls us the Indios, which is Ante, you know, so my grandma calls her grandmoms, great, great grandmoms, she calls her Fue de Indio. Um, and so that just means that they were maybe a little bit darker skin. They were from uh, the villages. Um, and my my grandma told me that one of my ancestors was, I forget which one, but like one of my great grandmoms or great aunts or whatever was a medicine woman. The other one was a doula. So it's really interesting how I've been tapping into certain things or how certain things have been finding me, especially um, over the past two years. Um, I would have never thought that I would be working with the moon or, you know, the elements. And so a lot of that I feel is my roots coming back and literally bringing me back out to the roots, literally bringing me back out to the nature, to grass. Um, and so utilizing things like, you know, having an altar in my home and things like that was stuff that I didn't do before that I'm doing now to connect to them. And I feel like, um, honestly, I think if I were to, from a spiritual place, think about my, my, where I've been in my career and why I am where I am, I think that therapy, social work, psychotherapy, all of that was the foundation that I needed. Um, because I have the, the education, the expertise, the licensure, the cert, whatever, all, all the things, right? But I needed the experience also because I learned through that that my ears were tapped from hearing a lot of things. I worked in children's hospitals and the ER. I, I worked with the DA for an SVU and uh, sex abuse allegations. And, and I, I, you know, forensic interviewing, I've done a lot of different things. And I needed to go through that to learn that my ears are taxed. Once I learned that my ears were taxed, I started to look into other modalities, yoga, somatic work, mindfulness, breath work. And then I found you, my mama, Bruja, <laughs> and I got my Reiki, you know, I got my Reiki, I got 
my Reiki attunement. I, you know, did your mediumship course, touch, touch into that gift that I've suppressed since childhood. And so I feel like I had to go through that journey to know that, hey, you're supposed to be helping people, but you're supposed to be helping them in different ways. Yes, therapy is great, but there are also other modalities that you can incorporate or as an adjunct to your psychotherapy to help you along your healing journey. And I learned that through having my, my uh, what is it, my throat chakra from talking so much with clients and hearing so much from clients that I was like, you know what, I need to use other ways, my hands, right, non-invasively through Reiki, yoga, modeling that behavior of how do you give back to your body, uh, breath work, mindfulness, right? So um, it's really exciting because who knows what else what other doors it'll open. Like even with you, I tried, you know, some of the services that you offer, the ancestral healing, the, you know, things that I would have, the Kashuk records, like things that I would I didn't even know what it was. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to you for that because you, you definitely opened that for me too, to be able to, like, it was like a light bulb. Boop. You were the puzzle piece I needed in my life. <laughs> I love you, Iris. And I'm so happy that I could serve in that way and that you are now also like showing up in my retreats and, and helping those and being the puzzle piece for other people. Um, encanta. And that's why, I mean, I wanted you on because I love you. I admire you. I love the work that you're doing. And also because I wanted people to, to know about that you are a therapist, that you are trained in this way, and that you're also doing these modalities um, because it's important for me, from my perspective of all these years of healing work, to have both. I mean, sometimes people come into hypnosis. I'm like, are you working with a the therapist? Because there's going to be some fallout probably from the hypnosis that we're doing at some point, some integration stuff that you're not going to go book another hypnosis session to like integrate. You're going to work with a therapist to do that. And so I think that we're in a place where we can tap into both worlds, right? The foundation of the spiritual practice and the embodiment practice, somatic practices, breath work, intuition work, healing work, ceremonia, altar building, and also beautiful techniques like EFT, EMDR, talk therapy, CBT, all the things that they, you know, DBT that is, a, mm -hmm. that is available for us um, is, hmm, let me see what's on my heart. A couple of things. I want to get to the book, but I want to, before we get there, uh, what could you share with us if you're comfortable? Is there a particular ancestral pattern that you had to break? Because you just shared with us what you're leaning into con los antecedentes, right? And how they're influencing your trabajo right now, but what did you have to heal to be able to be who you are today? And you could just share one and you could pick whatever one you want to yeah. share. Yeah. I, I think, um, oh, there's a lot. <laughs> like, hold on, I got to pick just one. Um, I think mainly is uh, getting back to the, getting back to Pachamama, getting back to honoring Pachamama, getting back to, um, utilizing herbs and um, Mother Earth to heal our body. I think that's a huge calling for me. Um, and I and I think I think the ancestors are loud. <laughs> like I feel a little bit. Ancestors are loud uh, for me because it's almost like I have to, like you said, be that example. Um, even something as simple as like you know a relative who might have like a certain condition, whether it's mental or physical. Um, and maybe they mention it. I have this unique ability to be able to tap internally and be like, oh, have you tried this? Or have you tried that? Or, or slide, you know, slide some, I'll bring you some herbs next time I come over. 
you know, or hey, let's try this yoga pose or let's try this. So for me, um, seeing, seeing like my niece come to me and, you know, do a wheel pose every time she sees me because she knows, hey, look, look. And they call me Lisi. She's like, look, Aunt Lisi, look what I can do. And that, that to me, I feel like um, is a... Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's like the the confirmation that like all right, you, you what you're doing, people are seeing you. You know, you may not notice it all the time, but the tambelando, they see, they're watching. You know, they're looking, they're seeing, they're you know, they're trying it. Even if even if they might shun you for you carrying carrying around those rocks or you know you <laughs> crystals and you you know you're you're playing with plants or you're walking outside in the grass, they're seeing, they're seeing. And so, exactly. And so for really? me, that <laughs> we got so many. I got like five over here. Yes. So breaking that pattern, I guess, of fear and disconnection from Mother Earth and the elements and the tech and the alternative healing techniques, which are not really alternative healing, they're really like indigenous healing. So, and that's amazing that you're already like impacting the next generation. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful to see with my my niece for sure. She's uh, she's definitely watching and. I even got her like this journal of her birthday and these this crystal book and she she comes over and she looks at my my Reiki book she saw it in the in my bookcase once and she's like this affects witchcraft so you can you know she's watching TV whatever she's watching that's what that's what her her bias is already as a young you know as a young age but when she sees me she sees it's it's normal you know like it, it's not. Uh, off with her head. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love that. I love that. And what led you to write your book, Healing My Four Bodies, an interactive guide to self-inquiry and solutions for the soul? Um, what led you to write that book? So this book was in the process for over five years before I actually finished it. And it was something that I started in the middle of my healing journey when I was primarily focusing on the physical body. So originally, this book was going to be an ebook that had tips on wellness. And over time, I was, you know, doubting myself. And who was I to write a book about helping people and all these different imposter syndrome. And so it collected dust, my manuscript just collected dust. And it wasn't until the end of, I, I always knew I needed to finish it. Literally every year for my New Year's resolutions, I would write, finish the book, finish the book. One year would pass and it would, the, the book ain't done. And then finally, in the 2020, um, you know, as you know, I, I suffered a few different instances in 20, I think 2020 was big for everybody. But towards the end of 2020, I had two car accidents within 80 days apart not my fault. Um, and when I had the first accident, I wasn't grateful for my life. I was mad that I couldn't go do the things that I wanted to do for that weekend. Um, instead of being grateful that I was still alive. And then 80 days later, I have another accident and lo mismo, the same thing. I'm like che checking myself because I'm like, you need to be grateful for your life. Like this is the second time in 80 days and you're still here. So I came home. I, I, got down on my yoga mat in child's pose. I cried and I was like, I felt that. I said, all right, I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna finish because the reality was is I could have lost my life and the thing that I wanted to finish, the thing I kept saying I'm gonna finish, I didn't do it. 
I didn't put it off and my life could have ended. So to me, it was like my little way of like staying like immortal, so to speak. Um, but I really wanted to get this out there because I knew that I had experience and education and knowledge to share with people. So um, I heard spirit loud and clear that that November of 2020 and I came home and I buckled down and I said, this is going to be done. So by the following year, I launched it in November on Black Friday, which was my birthday. So, oh my God, so good. So good. Um, definitely. We're going to be posting the link. So if anybody's interested, and I do recommend um, that you just buy it and purchase it and follow Iris. Hers, what is something that is on your heart that you would love to share with our audience? Con nuestra gente que están oyendo? Um, I think something that's on my heart that I would share is um, a, a concept or, or not a concept, but a theme that I feel with the collective and with my clients is the idea that healing, like you said, there's, um, there's an end to it. I, I was with a friend who did my hair. Shout out to the Melta Stylist in North Jersey. She, clean me up really good. Um, she came over and cut my hair and she, she, we were talking about our healing journey and she kind of put it in perspective for me where I, I, I was saying like healing is a journey. We got to detach from the outcome of it. Everybody wants to get in a car and put the GPS in and be like, bet I'm going to get there in 40 minutes because it's saying I'm going to get there in 45 and like healing don't work that way. And so she put it in perspective. Like think of the moon phases. Healing has phases too. It's cyclical. Now it's, I can't say the word cyclical in that way. <laughs> and um, and that's what I, I think people need to embody is that healing is a journey. And you really have to embrace the journey and embrace the process. You do embrace the journey, embrace the process. But detach from the outcome. Everybody wants to get to that end in mind. But that's not guaranteed. All you have is right now. And so when you think about healing physically, it takes time. You want to lose weight. You want to gain weight. You want to gain a butt. It takes time. You know, you want to gain muscle butts. Oh, I know. <laughs> I went to Jamaica last year. I was like, I'm going to grow my boots for four months. <laughs> it, just, it takes time, you know. And, and so we go through those phases. I need to grieve grow them because you know what? I sat after them four months when I came back from Jamaica and they not popping like they was when I was in Jamaica. But think about that. If I can give somebody a mental image of healing, it, it takes time. And sometimes you got to go back. Sometimes you got to look at your coping skills toolkit or your self-care toolkit. And you have to think, well, this ain't working no more. Okay, so I need to add some more tools. My, my lifespan or my, this life stage is different for me. So something I need to adjust. Where do I need to adjust? And that and that's how you have to really operate. Just take it one day at a time. Stop thinking about it from the standpoint of, oh, I'm healed. I'm when I'm healed. Just be. I love that. I love that. I'm just sitting with it for a moment. I love it and I love it. I'm seeing the booty. It takes time to build it. Then you're not on it. Kind of deflates a little bit. Totally. Totally with you. Yeah, I've been training for a year and a half and, you know, on a weight loss journey, but the weight loss is slow when you have hypothyroidism. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop. I show up, I walk my steps mm -hmm. and I do my weight training because it's also going to help me in my life. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> where can we find you, Iris? Where can the audience, where can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram 
Uh, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at ILM underscore healing, which is the name of my business and my initials. ILM. The best way to remember is I love me. That's the acronym. So there you go. ILM underscore healing. Um, my website is www.ilmhealingsolutions.com. My book is on the website healingmyfourbodiesbook.com, but you can also search the title on Amazon. It should pop up, but because it's a newer um, book, you do have to filter it by paperback and then it'll pop up. So Healing My Four Bodies and then filter by paperback and it should pop up right on Amazon. So. I just looked for it just a moment ago and, you know, before getting on here with you and it popped up. So people get it and we'll be sharing. Gracias, Cyrus. Thank you for embodying the healing of our four bodies, patience, sassiness, espíritu, and, you know, being brave because it takes bravery and it it takes strength to continue in this healing journey, especialmente as we deal with our ancestral, you know, patterns and as we lean into the gifts. Así que, muchas gracias, Iris. Thank you, everyone, for Thank being you. here. Gracias. Gracias. Thank you. Bye.